Hey there, cringe evangelical listeners, and I'd like to extend a warm cringe evangelical welcome to you all today. Um, today's topic is going to be uh, evangelicals and their view on books. Um, if you've been paying attention to at least American news, uh, most book bannings start with conservative evangelical and Catholic groups, more evangelical groups. Um, like a lot of the other things, there's a discussion about it, but at the end of the day, you know, things like LGBTQ plus relationships and, um, systemic racism and, um, really any critique of religion in any form is basically grounds to get banned is grounds for a book to be considered evil for kids. So I'm just going to give that warning. If that's something that's particularly, um, sensitive for you this might not be the episode i think this stuff's funny but i think this all of it has a real world connotation but like especially with book bannings i think this is one that's the most consistently uh problematic um i do have i mean i have some very funny stories some involving parents who didn't even know c.s lewis was a christian wild um there is even a tiktok where someone said not to read narnia because it involves witchcraft which We'll get into that later, but iconic. I'm not like, hey, I'm not like a C.S. Lewis hater, but I'm definitely not like a C.S. Lewis apologist either. He's got a lot of issues. Well, he's dead. He had a lot of issues with like women and gay people and other stuff, but he also was a product of his time. So I try to see both sides and understand where he was coming from while also knowing dude was a chauvinist. But um, there's that. Um, We'll also discuss Beverly Lewis the queen of Amish romance fiction. I might do that in another episode. Beverly kind of might deserve her own. I mean, Amish Amish romance Christian fiction. What were the 90s without that? Um, but yeah, that's kind of where it's at. Uh, I am going to be up front. I was a no Harry Potter household, which at the time uh, it didn't bother me. I actually never really cared about Harry Potter because the boy was like the main character and like on all the covers. So I didn't think there were any girl characters. So I never read it because I didn't read books. that didn't have like a girl character I could relate to. It was a hard pass for me. So I read Spiderwick, I guess, would be the only, this is not a wizard, but like the only comparable sort of magical book I read as a kid because there was a girl character. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's me. Um, but there's that. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about that. I have some articles. I have some like personal stories. Uh, weird Christian, even like nonfiction books I read. That might be a separate one because that's more like apologetics and like... That, that's more the nitty gritty stuff that's really difficult for me to get into because sometimes when the ideas are put forward again, there's like a weird part of me that's like, oh, maybe I really messed up here and like shouldn't have ran from this. Like there's just, they're very convincing even though I know it's bullshit. Um, yeah, uh, and I am a little tired. I just cut out of a two hour session meeting because of the Settler concert. Yay, that's a really good stuff. Um, we are very excited to have everyone's favorite gender queer Christian artist in Buffalo. So, um, without further ado, uh, thanks for listening and welcome to Cringe Evangelical. Okay, so this is an episode I could do solo all day long because if there is one thing, and this is going to sound so cliche, but if there's one thing I love since I was a little kid, like my biggest hyperfixation are books. Even if I'm not reading them, like I don't know how to explain it. Like if I go to a bookstore, I just have to like touch all the books, be around the books. I'm sitting in my library recording this right now. I've made up a little studio in here. It's very nice. Um, But I just like I just like sifting through them when I was a kid and like I could tell my parents were already asleep. I'd get up and just like sort my books in my bookshelf. I love books. And um, one of the things I do really I've always liked about books is they're stories that I can just pay attention to and I don't have anyone else watching. Cause like, you know, when you're growing up, you have to watch movies with your parents and stuff. Cause we had one TV, uh, Gen Z, Z, is that the newest one? Whatever. I don't care. Then little teenager kids, they don't get it. You had one TV and you had to go watch it. And if your parents were watching something that sucked, you had no other options. Cause you were rich if you had two TVs or you had hand-me-down TV, like my family that barely worked. So I, um, I've always liked reading. It was in kindergarten at the beginning of the year. We had to pick the two things we wanted to learn to do. I picked reading and tying your shoes. So a little sad I couldn't tie my shoes at kindergarten level. I just 
I, my mom tried. I just couldn't do it. It's just there's a block in my brain. But anyway, the reading thing makes more sense. Um, that being said, Christians have a weird view of reading, which makes sense because especially evangelicalism about this control. I mean, what's more dangerous than a book to somebody who wants control, right? Um, yeah. And so um, I've been very into this topic, but I never really read Christian fiction as a kid. Um, a lot of kids read Beverly Lewis, like I mentioned earlier, the Amish romance fiction. I sure as hell wasn't reading romance fiction. I liked like fantasy and um, some science fiction, more like the dystopian science fiction. I wasn't into like, well, I used to be into space. Then I watched Apollo 13. I got so scared. I was like done with space for like five years anyway. But books are always on the minds, especially a fundamentalist, because they effing love banning them. They just do. It's their favorite thing to do. I looked up the banned book list also, and it, the list is always, you know, LGBTQ plus relationships or uh, scary ways of describing systemic racism. Like that's literally a line, like things like that, you know, and it's always like we're protecting our kids. We're protecting our kids. But like, I don't, it just I'm not even going down that road. I'll never be done. But I love books. I've always loved books. And um, my mom, you know, she she wasn't like careless. You know, she made sure I read things that were like age appropriate, but she wasn't like sifting through the content of each book. And she didn't really even have a chance to because I read so fast, especially at a younger age, that I could read through chapter books during the school day, during like my break times or stuff. So I was reading books she couldn't get a hold of at school. Um, and I just again, like my mom really doesn't read her my brother reads graphic novels and my mom doesn't read at all so me and my dad are the readers and then i take the cake over him um so like there was just no chance uh that's a lot of rambling to say that this part of my life isn't a huge thing sometimes my mom would hear a sermon and bemoan that she like didn't buy us more christian books um but for the most part i mean the only books we had that like i actually read that were christian were devotional books or books that were required for youth group because my my church had book requirements for youth group and if you didn't you okay i'll just say it you had to read books write reports on them and if you did that you'd get scholarship money for pre-selected christian colleges that they would allow to support so they basically bribed you to indoctrinate yourself and then they would help pay for you to be indoctrinated further in college my college even though a christian college was not on the list because we had uh women in leadership and that was considered uh sinful so I didn't ever do it because I wasn't going to get money for it. And I'm not going to waste my damn time when I can be making money elsewhere. So I didn't really do this. The only book I think I read was uh, David Platt's two books were nonfiction. They're about like radical church. There's also a very bizarre and explicit chapter about the birth of his first child. I don't I don't know why that was in there anyway um <laughs> it is so weird anyway um but then i also uh had to stick through some of the reviews of this um you know and sometimes it was a little brutal a lot of stuff about like lukewarm christianity and being a good christian like that francis chan always thinking about god stuff um it just wasn't healthy it wasn't good so i'm really glad that i wasn't super indoctrinated in that however we did have rules in my house that we weren't allowed to read harry potter because of that like witchcraft satanic panic which at the time like i said earlier i didn't care i didn't care about harry potter i had other books on my list i had a like a little notebook of how I was going to be able to finish every single of the American diaries and like the Royal Diary offshoot series. They're like historical fiction diaries from a certain era of American history. And then they had royal ones about famous like royal people. And I was obsessed with princesses as a kid. So I was like totally into it anyway. So I never cared, but my parents had that role because of that. And now I feel good because I probably would have been into Harry Potter. A lot of things about my personality would make sense for it because i read other books like peter and the star catchers and spider wick and um i was gonna say the boxcar children but that's not even the same at all uh just a lot of like that kind of stuff um and i would have given a lot of money to jk rowling who was a very vile person and so i'm pretty glad that i have never participated in that and i would start in on that that woman but i don't have time or energy or mental health space. But let's just say I'm not exactly too sad. I'm not part of the wizarding world of Harry Potter right now. Um, and I read a lot of other books that a lot of kids maybe didn't read because they were reading that or pretending to or watching the movies. And um, 
Yeah, but that was like the first, I think, impact I had to get all that rambling into a point. The first impact I had of uh, Christianity affecting the books I can read. And I don't really think that was the most intense because most parents are still going to sort of, like I said, you know, see what their kids are reading, make sure they're not reading something uh, non-age appropriate, because at least with me, I was so far ahead of the game in reading. I was reading books way above my uh, maturity level. So I was understanding the words, the vocabulary, the concepts, but the uh, nuance and the maturity wasn't there. And so my mom had to watch that a little bit. I know um, earlier today I was looking at the banned books list and of course the Great Gatsby's on it. And I was thinking about even that book. I read it in high school twice and I would probably appreciate it much more now, especially I've read um, The Beautiful and the Damned recently and I realized how much more Fitzgerald the nuance of him as a person and his writing makes more sense just as an adult who's experienced some stuff. So I think that's part of it, too. Um, that being said, with all of that, I am I like to consider myself a well-read person. And so when I read things that are kind of shitty about books, I get really pissed. So this is just a warning. Um so I'm going to start. I think this, if you don't know what university is, I don't know if they have it out of the country. But in the U.S., it's like the Christian college dealio that comes in. Like if you're in a, a college that's non-Christian, there's an university club and that's like your Christian club. Right. And so it's a big deal to like join it or at least tell your parents you did uh, when you go. Um some people really like it. I mean, it, it tends to be kind of weird because you have such a diversity and some kids go in thinking everyone's going to be one way and then there's like somebody who's a little different. Um, but they do tend to be evangelical focused. And the two groups that kind of are the... I don't want to say the weirdest, but InterVarsity and Focus on the Family both have some pretty intense views on books and what books you should read especially with your kids because we're always very pro kid when it comes to this when it comes to voting for kids to have like safety and well-being then maybe we change our tune a little bit but right now you know kids are top dog when it comes to this book issue but InterVarsity wrote an article uh should christians read novels this person goes through the history of the novel which i didn't need um they talk about uh like the history of literature again like this article is kind of unhinged um but there is a legitimate christian sect that thinks that novels specifically are dangerous that people shouldn't be reading fake things this person's saying that all books are dangerous and um that we shouldn't be asking if books are dangerous but are they true so they flip it and say that it's not about reading books as if they're dangerous it's are they uh purporting biblical truth in some way so it's i think i've talked about this in other episodes it's this idea that everything leads back to christianity and you'll be able to find it and if you can't it's truly like a soulless evil book um and they really i mean they go through i'm not going to go through all of it but they go through books uh like flannery o'connor and um mark Twain. i don't know why mark twain's on here homie did not did not have awesome views of christians at all times anyway but they give you a list of books that'll make you think and then they give you christian questions to ask the book this includes james baldwin's go tell it on the mountain which i don't know if you've read that book i highly recommend it it's genuinely one of my favorite books but um they're trying to ask questions about, you know, what's a really Christian view and what's not, because the crux of the book is about uh, being black and queer in the Christian church in, like, I think, like, the 30s and 40s. Um, with Without acknowledging that James Baldwin, again, like I just said, was an openly gay black man who actually, from my understanding, I know he had lived in Europe, like, that's a fact, but part of it, I think, had to do with his... Uh, queerness and so i mean this man was basically displaced for some time due to being queer um and christians definitely wouldn't like his thoughts i mean if you've ever read uh especially james james austin jane austen's protest novel oh my god wow what a crossover no jane austen didn't write any racial justice protest uh novels that we know of we, well, I mean, I guess we could look under the floorboards of her house, see if anything's hiding, but I doubt it. But James Baldwin did, and uh, he is not... Like, he was friends with Martin Luther King Jr. He wasn't anti-Christian by any means, but he was very critical. Um, 
So I thought that was interesting. I do think this article overall, the person ends up taking a uh, a decently reasonable approach that people should read things that they always disagree with, with the caveat that they know that a lot of it's not true. So it's like, read something you disagree with so you know what other people think, but like never challenge yourself that maybe you could think that way too. Wild. And that's the overall, the overarching idea is that the ultimate truth is Christianity and any book that strays from that is not truth. Um, because the person goes right out and says that everyone writes books based on their truth as they perceive it. And that if you're not a Christian, your truth is like distorted or messed up or something, which dangerous language there. We'll just say that. Um, the other book I thought was interesting that Christians should read to challenge themselves is John Updike's Rabbit Run. Um, so that you can ask yourself why God allows evil to happen to children. I think if that <laughs> if that's what you get i mean yes that's an alarm if you've read the book you know exactly what scene i'm talking about very alarming but if that's what you get out of that book i don't know man that ugh, that book's really sticky for me there there's i don't know that's a weird one i wasn't it's a very random list but i was not so i think those two books especially struck out as things Christians usually wouldn't read. But that's kind of the idea of like Christians and books. I think we're seeing a theme here. It's like a lot about control, a lot about um, creating like your own separate book culture, basically. So that folks um, have basically a Christian uh, option for everything. So that's the overall idea about like Christians and how they view literature and all that stuff. Um, the bigger issue now is specifically books with kids because when christians want something gone they use kids as the main focus and so these next articles are about finding great books to read to your kids it gives i'm not joking these articles spin off into articles where they list every book in like public high schools that kids read with like little um you know uh safety write-ups for parents so christian parents know what their kids are reading and know what to go to the school and protest so they basically give you a toolkit so you know exactly what's in a book and you know how to fight it um so they're very organized um these aren't just crazy people that show up without having like lots of information they're given i mean it's not correct but they're given misinformation in a very concise and easy to read way um that being said, they do have, you know, some non-Christian books that are okay to read. So let's see, what are we going to read? What books are we allowed to read if we're Christian? They have their own book review site called PluggedIn.com that uh, has a whole section in the book reviews for how often Christianity comes up and how. Um, again, they they just make it so easy for things like book bannings and protests and misinformation to come out because these are not nuanced book reviews anyway so of course they have it split up from age which i don't think all these books actually fit in the age range they've chosen but i'll take them up on it so this is your four to seven year old and they have these are the only options we're allowed to read adventure stories classics contemporary fantasy and historical fiction everything else not allowed so no horror no romance um no science fiction I, maybe they're putting those in fantasy but it's it's really sounding the other way to me so this is already a wild start we've just taken genres of books which there's already discussion on that but we've just made them so monolithic and whatever um, so if you're a parent, I will say like, and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to be like this good Christian parent. You are going to go to like something like this. And I, I understand that. Um, I also understand that it's also stupid, but still get it. Um, so the only book that I've heard of your library besides Bible Kid Ventures, Story of Danger and Courage, which from my understanding, focus on the family's a part of is The Princess and the Goblin by George MacDonald, which is, um, one second, my cat, oh no, his head was stuck in a cereal box, but he's fine now. Okay. Um, which is just a fantasy story. Um, actually, C.S. Lewis wrote a book on George MacDonald. And so, you know, he's in the universe. I will say before we go on, this this article's okay with C.S. Lewis. There is a split with evangelicals because there's like half the evangelicals that are smart enough to know homie's Anglican. He's not evangelical. And then there's the other half 
that just read evangelical ism into all of his apologetics and think he's like the first true evangelical like in england or some crazy thing which isn't even true i'm just saying um again this is like a middle of the road a c.s lewis neutral home but yes um that being said, the only classic stories your four to seven year old can read are Little House in the Big Woods and Little House on the Prairie, which doesn't make sense because there's actually like I read that entire series. I was like one of my favorite books as a kid. Um, I wanted to live on the prairie. Well, I, I don't know what's wrong with me anyway. So I don't know why they didn't just put the whole series. A, B, I want to meet the four year old who can read Little House on the Prairie. Like when you're four like some four-year-olds still like can't a hundred percent like poop on their own you know what i mean like they're like four is not an age i'd be having kids crack open little house on the prairie that's kind of difficult and kind of long so we're already off to an odd start but then we have contemporary and do remember this is meant for homeschool families who may start certain certain homeschoolers think their kids are more brilliant sometimes than they are because they love them very much and so because they are the teacher they're just the most brilliant thing ever nothing wrong with that but it does come up in ways where maybe we think our four-year-old can read and understand little house on the prairie and that is that um the contemporary books include frindle which i've also actually i read that in third grade it's actually a pretty fun book um can't say anything against it it was i enjoyed it uh he actually that author wrote a christmas book that's also pretty good for kids um that i really liked too anyway the fantasy books uh we're allowed roll doll so everyone clap um very exciting for us we are allowed the lion the witch and the wardrobe in the four to seven year old range which is absolutely i'm just gonna say it that's unhinged that's out of pocket i want to meet the four-year-old reading the lion the witch and the wardrobe like i am pretty sure that book is meant for like older elementary school kids and furthermore and i knew i was going to get into this when i was in college the big way to be evangelical and to look smart is to like act like you know everything about c.s lewis he is smart evangelical kids gods okay J.R.R. tolkien sort of but because he only he wrote like mainly fantasy where like c.s lewis wrote apologetics people feel like more academic with c.s lewis even though his apologetics are kind of cringe but anyway um yeah so i had this girl who told me she was in my honors program may i add she told me that when she read mere christianity which if you've read that is not a difficult book i could have easily handled it in high school um meant for like a lay person she said it was so hard she had to read it with a dictionary next to her because she didn't know what most of the words meant i don't know if that's on america i don't know if that's just on her I don't know what was happening, but I still think about that a lot. And if, and she wasn't stupid by any means. Like when I like this was actually shocking to me because when I read the book, I actually thought it'd be difficult because she had said this and then I read it and was like WTF. Um, but if that's how like someone who was at least considered a more intellectual American can't read mere Christianity without a dictionary, I want to see the four-year-old reading Lion, the Witch of the Wardrobe. Like same author he's using some similar words i just think this is a crazy whatever um yeah so that's on that and then there is some literal 23 book series of historical christian fiction and they list every single book separately which is wild also we're allowed to read pilgrim's progress but we have to wait until we're 8 to 11 for that so wild wild the other books alice's adventures in wonderland what i think is so fascinating is on this list because when you think of the history of that book no christian no bueno um lewis carroll was a wild dude and a bad person kind of actually but yeah that was another one we're allowed to read confusingly pilgrim's progress actually my old church my scary one that i left um they read that like as a sermon series and they had a kid's version too so i think this is the kid's version they're talking about because again i can't picture an 8 to 11 year old just pounding pounding out why did i say oh god i'm so sorry reading pilgrim's progress um also they have hans brinker or the silver skates which i've never read but my parents have a reading of it on record which is such like a 70s 80s thing to have but they had that and i've listened to it so again don't know why it's considered a great book for christian kids but we'll take it um they also have creative nonfiction. they add once you hit 8 to 11 so that we can read anne frank 
Oh my God. Um, also, the other one that shocked me was Ink Heart is on here. I didn't see that coming on. So there seems to be some things they've loosened up on because I can't picture 10 years ago Ink Heart being on that list. Um, just because like women are given so much agency, because that's another thing. If you have like a spunky woman in a book, get that out of your Christian kids' hands, you know? They also wrote Shiloh as historical fiction, which I don't think that's actually historical fiction. I think it's just a book that was written so long ago, it's historical now. So same with Little Women. That's not historical fiction. That was like written. You can't just say something's historical fiction because so many years have gone by. Like historical fiction means the author specifically meant to write it in a different time frame than the one they're in, not just it happened a long time ago. Oh my God. So once you're 12 and above, which is a humongous range, by the way, for reading, like you don't hit 12 and you can read every book out there. So this is like these ranges are so weird. And like the range of books is just insane. You shouldn't be making lists like this. Like this is just they have To Kill a Mockingbird in Uncle Tom's Cabin, which isn't surprising. Christians like the sort of white saviory type books, but they have the Pygmalion, which George Bernard Shaw would probably flip over in his grave if he knew he was on some evangelical Christians like list of okay books. Um, again, an interesting one considering that a lot of the Pygmalion, not My Fair Lady, which is kind of people confuse them. I mean, it's based off of it, but Pygmalion's a lot about like a woman who came from like a lower class kind of making her own decisions and standing up to a rich man. There's no way. Yeah. Um, and also Jane Eyre. What a wild book to be like Christian child get moral ideas get moral ideas from Jane Eyre but I could see where they like the whole like just dating a guy that sucks interesting um they do have the Hobbit and the Fellowship of the Ring but no two towers and the Return of the King so you're only around the lead eh, only allowed to read the first two Lord of the Rings um also they don't have any other Narnia book besides the Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe I can't decide if it's the only books I know from these series or what but and then we have my all-time favorite. They have Corinne Ten Boom's The Hiding Place as historical fiction, which is hilarious because that's a like an autobiographical text. That's not fiction at all. That really happened. I I don't love I don't love <laughs> I don't love that uh, we're making that that that's a bad move to say the real life Holocaust story was fiction. Let's not let's not be spreading that, please. Um, to be fair, this person works for Focus on the Family, uh, so we can only expect so much. But, you know, this is what we're up against. This is like the groups that are banning books. I mean, they they don't know what they're ta- Well, they know what they're talking about, and they know how to talk about it a certain way to get what they want. Um, yeah, I don't know. I had a friend, because this is the other thing. Like, if you weren't reading Christian books, this kind of goes with like the Christian music thing we talked about. Um if you aren't reading Christian books, that's like also seen as like a bad testimony. So I had a friend who was on a plane for a missions trip, which you already know the setup there is, oh my God. Um, And she was reading a book, just a regular, regular, like not like an in like super edgy book by any means, by any terms. And another guy who is a complete neo-Nazi POS, I don't even care. I'll say that. Everyone who went to my old church knows who I'm talking about now. He was on the plane and he hates women. He's the most misogynistic person I've ever met in my life. Horrible person. Him and his brothers are three of the most misogynistic white supremacist jerks I've ever met. Horrible. Like, truly, like, I can't. Anyway. And so this girl is just, you know, quietly reading her book. She's not bothering anyone. And he goes up and he goes, you know, you're really setting the tone that we are not missions here. He's like, what is your testimony right now reading this book? First of all, if I was in the emergency exit, idios amigo, you're going down. I do not care. I listen. The best kind of Nazi is when you punch in the face. I can't. And he is he's a Nazi. I mean, his we're not going to go down this road, but he. Yeah. So like that is like the view. And the view is that if you read Christian books, someone will come and say, what's that book? And then you'll say, oh, it's this Christian book. Let me tell you more. And then you'll tell your whole testimony and they'll be so moved that one second. Henry, not my plan. No. 
sorry about that but no way what will happen is you know you'll you'll say oh i read this book about this god that i love so much and then they'll be like oh my gosh tell me more i need my entire life changed and then like you know you'll just save them on the plane like that's the whole idea like they have these bizarro fantasies where people are just tripping over because they're just so waiting and like thirsty for this truth of the lord and like when i say thirsty like i'm not being joking like they say that um and so i yeah like it's a real thing i was never no one really said much to me that i read a lot because they knew frankly i'll just be blunt they knew i was educated more than them and far more intellectually gifted and they didn't want to fight me and i don't think they knew what half the books i was reading were anyway i mean Besides when I was a kid and I was reading like Magic Treehouse, Babysitter's Club, you know, the OG classics, uh, Junie B. Jones, all the goodies. You know, once I got into high school and stuff, if, unless I was reading like a classic, um, I probably wasn't reading a book they'd ever heard of. And I don't feel bad about that either because it just, I had a diverse reading um, list. Yeah, why did I take so long to figure out that word? Anyway, I had a diverse reading list and my mom always got me at least five to 10 books for Christmas every year. So I was always reading. I always had a surplus of books and we went to the library every week. So it was gonna happen. The one thing, and this really makes me nervous. There's a 2023 article and it's a man who's going into Barnes and Nobles, which is, I don't know if this is international. In America, Barnes and Noble is like your book your corporate book chain, sort of like a, is it Waterstones in England? Like a similar vibe to Waterstones. I really hope I said the right name. There's also a, yeah, I said the right name. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's what's been going on. He's going through and reading books and then just skimming them, seeing what he doesn't like and what's non-Christian and then making reviews. So I'm going to look at that because I actually think that's very dangerous and very reductionistic and it's not a good thing. And then we will close out this episode. Okay, so I misspoke. It was digitally uploaded in 2023. It happened in 2009, but the issues are still the same, same thing. Um, He literally titled it A Guide to the World of Youth Literature and What You Can Do About It, which just means you need to fight this literature. And I'm gonna go through, I actually have read uh, quite a few of these books that he mentions, um, and he actually creates false he created, I can't think of the full, there's a logical fallacy terminology for the exact argument he's doing, but it's really, he creates a problem that never existed so that you'll all get upset. And I'm sure I know what that is, but, um, so he creates this issue where, um, you know, he, he's saying that, you know, I went to Barnes and Noble and I walked and, you know, the front few, if you've been in Barnes and Noble, every Barnes and Noble is kind of set up the same. You walk in. And there's like this single line of round tables filled with books. And then you get in the back and it's like all the stacks. But these are like the hottest books you can buy. They're on sale. They have done this. I mean, I grew up (coughs) going to Borders, which was like the rival one until it closed. And then Barnes & Noble, I think, like bought them out. Because Barnes & Noble is like way more expensive. I don't know why that matters to this discussion, but it's true. Anyway, um... And so Barnes & Noble has done that since the beginning of time. That's just how they set it up. And, you know, this author's bemoaning, ugh, you know, there's no Anne Frank, there's no classics, there's no um, Animal Farm or anything like that. It's all these books I've never heard of. And they're all about, you know, problems people have in their lives. Like, it's just, this has never been an issue. There's never been a classic section when it's like... Sorry, note to self, do not smoke before you record. Um, anyway, um, what I was saying is there's never going to be like a big promoted classic section at a bookstore because it doesn't make sense because people are always going in and nine times out of 10, if they're either looking for a new book they want to see, they're searching for a book that interests them, or they're looking for a classic for school or they want to read it, it's on their list, whatever. Um, so you don't need to promote classics because they promote themselves by being classics like you're never gonna have a humongo you know i can't even think like you might have a section like for example when like a new uh like when the new emma movie came out with anya it's anya taylor joy correct yeah um there was like maybe a little jane austen section because some people might be more interested now but like that's the only time 
you know, they really don't do this unless a movie's coming out with a classic because, like I said, they sell themselves by being classics. Um, and so that argument in and of itself just doesn't make sense. Plus, if you're Barnes & Noble, you probably have contracts with certain bigger authors or certain book companies to promote their books a certain way, you know, um, a big company like Simon & Schuster or Penguin, Random House, you know, they're going to have contracts with a place like Barnes & Noble with expectations that because they are a big publishing house, their books will be put, uh, will, their books will be pushed a certain way. Um, you know, it, it's like having a horror section and not including Stephen King because you know people come to look for Stephen King and know where to find him. You're, yeah, it, you want to promote books that maybe people aren't looking at to push more. And so we're just already starting off on a terrible argument. Um, and this person's coming. I mean, they went to find things to make them mad. Um, now, this, because he's working with young adult literature from 2009 2010 that's about what i was reading and i was 2 14 15 during that time and um the thing about young adult literature is the big thing was being gritty Lori halsey anderson sarah dessen who i know is floppy but she had gritty elements okay um <laughs> you have like uh 13 reasons why comes out around this time you have a lot of like books about uh substance use and these issues that were you know we were starting to try and break taboos on and using young adult literature to help kids understand the nuance and difficulty or relate to it um and so this guy already off the bat hates that he thinks this is so inappropriate and um this is just out of control and that there's no traditional fantasy stories because everything is a sexual vampire story i will give him this if you were looking for a book that was fantasy and did not involve a vampire kissing a werewolf or something you weren't finding it in 2009 to 2010 because of twilight and so i'll give it to homie g on that one i mean he you know I'll, i yeah he uh he's not wrong we'll just put it that way we'll put it that way nicely um that's yeah that that's pretty true but that doesn't mean it's inherently bad it's just incredibly i mean honestly the issue there is that that's just how like capitalism works right now this is hot so a bunch of people who maybe have half-assed ideas will sell and we'll get picked up because sexy vampires are in. Now, if you try to do that today, you're going to have a little more issue because sexy vampires are not in. Well, I mean, they're always in, but they're not in like they were. Um, anyway, that being said, I, I'll see him there. But still, his premise is, is bad. So anyway, so he is really mad. Like he's really mad about these what he's calling real life stories, which is just, again, realistic fiction that that's what it's called um i really love a guy who doesn't even know the name of genres besides fantasy to tell me about books so let's dig into this he uh he picks up three books the one is story of a girl by sarah czar now he's saying he doesn't like it because there's inappropriate sexual activity and the adults are seen as cruel and unhelpful to a child with a serious issue um <clears throat> And then he says the only real issues brought up are sexual assault and drug addiction and then says things like you know body issues issues with parents things like that are just made up uh modern problems that didn't exist before which is not true but anyway um so sarah czar and i think this is his bigger issue he would never maybe he hasn't looked into her enough but i do because i've read some of sarah czar's book they're pretty good think i said sarah dessen earlier think like a shorter sarah dessen book with a lot more true crime lover um but sarah czar grew up mormon and left the church but still lives in utah and a lot of her mormon history comes up in these books um especially i read one that was like it was a line from amazing grace i almost want to say i once was lost but now i'm found was the name of the title or something like that along those lines i'm gonna look it up now but sarah czar wrote it and i do know what it was about i'll never forget what it was about um kind of a true crime a girl goes missing at her church or temple i can't remember if it was explicitly mormon or they just made it generally religious um and what happens is the children's choir director has kidnapped this child that's where she went that's why she's missing once was lost yes i had it wow and it came out in 2009 it came out that year 
Um, and yeah, like it, it, it's a book about that. And you, you can't tell me that his real issue isn't that she's questioning high, highly problematic religious structures, be they Mormon, Christian, whatever. That's the issue. This dude doesn't like that this woman's writing books about about she always writes about women about um and their complex relationships that are made more difficult by systemic issues um and we'll just leave it at that so his next book uh is terry truman's stuck in neutral it's about a boy with cerebral palsy so i don't see why you'd have a problem with that like it happens uh so he's excited because there's a pro-life message um, because his dad wants to mercy kill him. Um, but the guy still has issue because it's an anti-parent look, which I think is interesting. Again, I'm just going to say it. It has nothing to do with parental authority. If you are a good parent and you know good parents and reading a book about a person who had a negative issue with their parents should not concern you it should upset you and you should say wow like i'm so grateful my parents were like that or i'm so uh lucky that i'm in a place where i can treat my kids correctly things like that but he's seeing it as like anytime you're like anti-parent anti-authority or evil which is just a great way to tell christian kids any book that might help you get out of a dangerous or abusive situation um you can't read because frankly a lot of evangelical parents are either abusing their children or hiding abuse of their children. And I'm not saying everyone, but it, it, it's a common theme. And I think we're seeing it with everything coming out. Um, I think John DeLynn calls it, he's the Mormon Stories podcast, the high demand religions. We're seeing this come out. And this is definitely, this guy's part of the problem. Um, ugh. The last book is Ellen Hopkins Crank. If you have Ellen Hopkins was humongo when I was in middle school, high school. She wrote those like they were always I remember they were like shaped very odd for a book. They were thick, but they were like short. And the front was always just like one word. And it was always about substance use. And um, yeah, they were always gritty. I never really read those, to be honest. If I wanted gritty, I'd go to like Lori Halsey Anderson or something like that. Um and I was reading a lot of dystopian, a lot of dystopian literature. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so this is he's mad because the parents are um, seen as losers because the parents it, the issue with this is that they all become uh, dependent on um, crank or speed, whatever you want to call it. And uh, that she's having sex and doing all these bad things like instead of seeing Oh, she she has an abortion too, um, and oh, she ends up keeping it. Shouldn't he be happy? Whatever. Anyway, so he's just really mad about these books. Um, he doesn't like. Oh, there's a book with a girl in a bikini on the front. Oh my god, go to the beach. Um, <clears throat> so he just basically goes through all the non-Christian themes in young adult literature. Um, and he says it has this fake, this is what he says are the fictional, um, destructive assumptions that kids, and the first assumption he writes is kids have horribly difficult lives, even if they have every comfort and pleasure of the world. The families are dysfunctional. Their parents self-absorbed or distant. Their peers cruel and their schools Darwinian. The best parents may love their child, but they just don't understand her problems. See, I don't get this because like... That is like so like it's not meant for you, dude. Like these people did not write this book and go like, oh, my God, I hope some middle aged conservative evangelical man goes to Barnes and Noble, refuses to buy the book and reads it in like the little section of books while like the workers all look at him with like eyes of death. Like they did not write it for that. OK, they wrote it for kids who might feel that way, because even when your parents are doing everything to love you as a teenager, you still think they hate you because you're trying to push your independence and Part of it is parents holding their holding to what they need their child to do while also being loving. It's a difficult line to toe, but like this is it's normal for kids to feel like nobody understands them. It's it's part of them finding themselves because it's well, why do I not feel understood? What about me isn't you know, it's it's part of growing up and it's part of parents understanding their kids because parents get frustrated and sometimes you have to say, Hey, I I'm a social worker who works in home with families with um 
high risk like social emotional disturbance and mental health or school problems anything like that and um a lot of the times with my parents it's like hey the issue is more the parents getting hurt by the kid because the kid is saying something insensitive or they don't understand how much their parents done behind the scenes or something and it's about teaching gratefulness and understanding in space and things like that so i think that's really the issue um he's not seeing that um he says that it also shows families as not a haven in a heartless world but a trial for obscure reasons that must be endured endured yeah but every teenager would tell you they're enduring their family for the most part even i did and people like when i was in school like you know how like usually it was embarrassing to be around your parents kids love my parents on mother's day like three of my friends would call my mom and like thank her for existing in front of their mom which is crazy anyway um and then it says the child's real family is her set of friends but i think that's also again a normal part of growing up and knowing that even if you're star part of this family you can have this like extended family of like i don't the chosen family thing that's also a subtly anti-lgbtq let's just be real um no one understands them the people in authority over them least of all so this is another one like anything anti-authority is bad because you need the authority of the church to matter so we're gonna shit on that i'm not even gonna entertain that that's exactly what it is and they'll just use anything else i also think it's an absolutely unhinged that any literature that might show the life of a child who really does experience a lot of abuse and trauma and difficulty is just seen as like an ungrateful little piece of crap like that's why yeah this is why parents feel like they can't go to people with help because they i mean there's a lot of factors but one of them is people like him who are like well any kid who's just bad is ungrateful and the parents need to get it you know it's just it's very shamey um it says that trust is dangerous well for a lot of traumatized kids it is it's what traumatized them or at least what when you're anyway i'm not going to go through the bio biology of trauma just know that's a trauma response um he also there i'm not gonna i refuse to read the gender role issue he has because um they're just explicitly problematic uh and i don't think we need to explore that any further or give that voice um he has issue with people talking explicitly about bodily function and then only mentions menstruation so he is a chauvinistic or let's be real misogynistic man who is just uncomfortable with women doing something he can't um but okay well in this case he is gonna come from a binary i understand that menstruation is not gendered but in his mind like he didn't say oh and they talk about poop or something like it's it's specifically something that is aligned with femininity let's say that and so that's really his issue it's nothing to do with it being explicit or gross um and you know what uh kids should be able to read about that because it's an experience they have um he talks about sexual activity i'm not going to get into that but kids always try sex and they're going to relate to it and any also by the way any book that has sexual activity doesn't make an endorsement of sexual activity or unsafe sex it's just explaining something which i do think 50 50 sometimes kids don't know that but again if your parents kind of guiding you and you have questions you can go to them but um yeah he also makes some very unsettling uh he makes a very weird uh phrasing about virginity and how we don't think about it correctly not gonna not even gonna again not entertaining his really bad stuff um so yeah that's i'm not even again he goes into a politics section you know where that one's going um he talks about uh, the hate you give saying too much about systemic racism and acting like black people have a bad yeah this guy's a piece of shit. um i'm not finishing this but that's kind of his idea um oh sorry this is the last one i'll say so he takes robert lewis stevenson's kidnapped which i mean like robert lewis stevenson um dr jekyll and mr hyde was the first horror book i ever read actually uh yeah but um He's saying that in Kidnapped, uh, you can read a story of child abuse without feeling like you've been involved in abusing the child. Where in these new books, you do. What the this dude's got some issues. I feel like he saw himself in some of these abusers. Um, and then, oh, honey. 
wow jk rowling's a presbyterian no by name only that's what he's saying she's a presbyterian so we should be nicer to harry potter i like how like that's what it is wow i hate i mean i guess she's scottish so that makes sense but does she know the presbyterian church is like openly trans ministers now she's probably not pc yeah wait why would i i almost said out loud do you think jk rowling is presbyterian church usa like yeah the woman living in fucking edinburgh is pre- is she in edinburgh whatever it doesn't matter that i just said something that made so little sense no she's not she's just by name anyway that was an interesting tidbit got me all flustered but yeah that's kind of the view like i said this is a very i think this one's more serious because banning books is just happening so much and i think um it's something we need to talk about so i really appreciate it i would love to have when i talk about books it's hard for me to talk about like things that are cringy but i definitely want to do a beverly lewis one and then i'd love to do like just like people's books like i was always allowed to read whatever the hell i wanted but i'd love to hear what people read when they left christianity that they weren't allowed to read during the time um that would be a fascinating round table um i've got like i've said a lot of the stories even i told today were things that were like reminded to me or sent to me uh over the phone and if that's where people are comfortable now that's great um like i said this is a hobby and i really do like setting the foundation um another plug for semler october 21st in buffalo get your tickets on eventbrite that's semler in buffalo the tickets are only 20 bucks um get them and yeah i might be taking next week off because it's my birthday so um fingers crossed maybe i'll do something maybe i won't it depends on how much i want to hang because i took the week off from work so uh i really appreciate it thank you guys for listening go read a banned book for banned books weeks a little oh yeah i should have started with that it's banned book week um which is why i chose books as well I can't believe I totally missed that until the end. That's so iconic of me. Um, Yeah, so that enjoy banned books week. I'm reading a Stephen King book. I'm reading Salem's Lot right now. Never read it. Um, Not going to spoil it. But speaking of sexy vampires, these ones are more um, not explicitly not sexy vampires. They're actually very scary. But um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing this week for my banned books week read. Um, And I encourage you guys to read a banned book. You know, some of my favorites. uh, I have a Kurt Vonnegut tattoo. So yeah, anything by Kurt Vonnegut. Um, Catcher in the Rye is a favorite. I also have a Catcher in the Rye tattoo. Um, And then I can't think of other banned books because if I think about how many books have been challenged or banned, I'll cry. But just know, go read a book that you know would make a evangelical parent go unhinged and out of pocket. And without further ado, uh, have a good night. I don't know why I'm rambling so much. I don't know how to finish my book one. I guess I'll just say to be continued. Thanks, guys.